Good morning, everyone. I have notes because I get a little bit excited when I'm in, on purpose and I need to keep on track. <laughs> so we don't go all morning and I'm aware of the time. So who has been encouraged and enjoying and sitting with the wonderful journey that we've been on with Jesse and Bruce around purpose? Is anybody? Yeah, it's been awesome. And I just would love you to, to just to start with where I'm going with this this morning, where I feel God's leading me with it, is that just love you to sit for a moment and think about what it is that he has put in your hands and in your heart. Be it that you're a great prayer, prayer, a great friend, that you're a great baker or someone that cooks well, or maybe you've got other things that you have in your heart and in your hands. What God put in my heart a long time ago, and it hasn't always been an easy journey for me to stand in it as I do today, is I'm an encourager. And it took me a long time to stand comfortably in that space. And I say comfortably as in I've got this comfortable with it. But as soon as I get comfortable with it, God changes it up another gear. Has anybody ever experienced that? You kind of go, yes, I've kind of got that. And then it's like, hello, here's another opportunity. And that's a little bit more outside my comfort zone. Today we're talking about, I think it's up, no, it's not up there. Anyway, it will. Yeah, oh, obedience. Oh, that word when we were kids. You hear the word, be obedient, and it always conjured up ideas of, oh, it sort of feels a bit rule-driven and things like that. I've learned to embrace that word, um, not always with joy, but always with a sense of that when I step into it, God is uh, helping me be a part of a much bigger picture. So last week, Jesse shared about the one, the three, the twelve, the hundreds, and the many. And those are the people that are surrounded in our lives, playing different roles, and who we're connecting with and sharing ourselves with. And this morning, I am going to share a little bit of a story, and I'm going to be very sensitive so that the people involved are protected. But I want I just want to share it, not because I feel particularly special or that I've done something particularly unique, but more of a place that when I shared it with Jesse, I was just sharing it some weeks ago when it all began because I was so excited that I'd actually been obedient when I didn't want to be. And I suddenly got this sense in my spirit that God had this greater plan for these people and I had just become a little part of that. And I got this excitement stirred up in me, so I blurtled off to Jesse, oh, and a big message. And he was like, wow, that's, yeah, because that's what I do when I get excited. And I've learned to be okay with that. So I'm not perfect, and I love that. I'm a recovering perfectionist, which is fantastic, because I am actually perfect in God's sight. And I'm enough with God in me by myself. And I don't mean this in a putting myself down way at all, but by myself, I am really quite ordinary. Uh, I can't do a lot on my own, and I've learned that I can't do a lot in what God wants me to do without him. So I love that I have him. And a long time ago, I prayed this prayer in worship. We have that song that we sing a lot, and it says, 
break my heart for what breaks yours, open my eyes to the things unseen. And I remember singing the song and praying, yes, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I'll just say, be careful what you wish for. Yes, because I remember getting a picture for all those people out there who don't know God. And because I'd been through some tough things in my life, and we still go through tough things, that's life. What I love is that I have God. So even in the darkest time, I can turn and feel his presence, sometimes even at a distance, but I know he's there no matter what, right? And what broke my heart that day, or what he shared with me that broke his heart, was there are people out there that are in darkness, and they don't know God. They don't have that hope, that sense of love, unconditional, no matter what's going on in their lives. I suddenly realized that I'd prayed a very powerful prayer, and I had no idea how this was going to unravel in my life, but I've seen it uh, some pretty powerful stuff. So have you ever... This is a question I'd like you to respond. Have you ever been uh, asked to do something or felt called to do something in your life and had a, a reaction to that where it's been, yeah, I'll go? Yeah? Have you ever had a reaction to it that's been like, what? Me? No. Yeah? Both, right? very much my journey with God. There are some times where he says, you know, I feel prompted internally, go do that. And I go, all right. And then other times where it's like, really? Me? Oh my gosh. And I become a doubter, a doubter of myself. I doubt that I am enough. I doubt that I know enough. I doubt that I will have enough. Uh, I doubt that I will make enough of a difference. I don't know if you're familiar with that um, wonderful little story that circulates now on social media, but I saw it way before Facebook, uh, and it's about the starfish. Has anybody seen the starfish on the beach? Well, for those who haven't, it's a beautiful story, and I'm not going to tell it word for word, so I hope I do it justice. It's basically a person is walking along the shore of a beach, and there are thousands, I think tens of thousands of starfish that have been washed up on the beach. And this person is walking along and they're bending down and they're picking up one starfish at a time and they're throwing the starfish back into the ocean. And another person comes along and says to them, what are you doing? Don't you know there's tens of thousands of starfish here? They're all going to die. That one, you know, you're just picking them up and throwing. You're never going to get on top of this. And the person that was throwing the starfish picked one more up, threw it into the ocean and said, For that one, I just made a difference. And I remember seeing that and going, yes, that's me. I can do that. I can do that. Did you know that in the Bible, I'm sure you did, and I was looking, uh, where was I? Bible Gateway, and it says, that statistic that I found said there are 8,726 doubters in the Bible, 8,726 examples in the Bible of where people have doubted what God has called them to do, either temporarily or permanently. Why I share that is because it makes me go, hmm, 
then if we're doubting our own ability, perhaps we're not alone or that's not a new thing to experience, right? So perhaps we, we just need to look at that as, and well, we're, we're kind of, you know, like everyone else. And one of my favorite scriptures that talks about doubt is Moses, and I will read it because uh, I didn't even try to memorize this whole thing because I want there to be a point out of it. Moses, Exodus. So this is Exodus 3, verses 9 to 12. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So they're in darkness. So now go. I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh, and to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What do you suppose Moses felt right then? Just a teeny bit of doubt because he says, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I? So there's the doubt, right? I don't blame him actually because that's a pretty big thing to be asked for to do. And then the second in um, verse 12, it says, and God said, I will be with you. God didn't give him the picture of every step of the way and this is your map and I promise that it's going to go like this and don't worry, it's going to look all pretty and at this stage, this is going to happen. What did he say? I'll be with you. So what did God require of Moses? Faith. That's it. I realize that my doubt can be overcome with faith. So what I'm about to share is one journey with one person. Jason and I uh, have been, and this is a Jason and I thing, I'm kind of the one that we get there, my wonderful husband, best friend in the whole world. So this is something we're doing together. Um, I'm just the loud one that doesn't mind getting up the front and sharing it. <laughs> so I do it on behalf of him because he's very much involved in this process. Um, and like I said, I'm sharing of wanting to encourage others that there may be someone like Jesse shared last week right here. I call this right up in your grill, you know, like, oh, right here, not out there. We've been planted in the last couple of years back into a street that we left a couple of years before that. And we left that street because it was too rough. We wanted to move into a warmer house and an quieter street, so we left. And we also, during that phase, I realised that that's when we actually ended up going through some really tough stuff when we had to take on our granddaughter and things. So there was a reason we were given that sabbatical, if you like, from that space. But suddenly we had the opportunity to move back into the street. And we walked into this house, and the moment we walked into this house, we went, oh, why, we're back in the street, that's weird. And we walked into this house, and I, I know for me personally, I went, wow, I need to live in this house. The house felt safe and felt amazing, and we wanted to be there, and we're 20 months down the track, and we love living in this house. 40% of this street are gang families or gang family associates, and it's a small street. So... <laughs> That's just the way it rolls. And we're actually really, we love, we just love it. We feel completely safe. And um, both of us have individually got to know our neighbours in the wider area of our street. Just differently, just, hey, how are you? 
talking to people. And actually the kids come over and borrow stuff off us and uh, one was climbing our fruit trees and kind of stealing the fruit. So Jason said to her one day, you know what, you can just knock on the door and come get some fruit. You don't actually have to climb the fence and steal it. And so we've got that sort of relationship and... um, We've been planted back here. So we were asking God, why? You know, this is, this is, okay, so what are we going to do with this? And as you know, relationships take time. Uh, so I'm just going to wind back to this year and this story to give you a bit of a picture. For those who don't know, I had an accident in December, and I had a really difficult start to my year. Um, it was a really interesting time for four months living with the use of without my left hand for the most of it because of an accident that turned into surgery. and So I had a lot of time feeling a bit sorry for myself on and off. And um, it's really interesting because it took me on a roller coaster of emotions in my family probably at times (laughs) Uh, of the frustration of me being such an out there and independent person and suddenly I'm trying to do life with one hand and pain and whatever. And the reason that's uh, critical to the story is because I was sitting home after surgery and I was feeling a little bit unwell, a bit foggy and sore and just, you know, not very great. And suddenly there were several police cars in our grove and I went, oh, what's happening there? And we were kind of like just looking out. Dog goes ballistic, so we're kind of like, what's happening over there? And we saw this gentleman that we'd got to know quite well get quietly arrested we're like, wow, okay. So he'd done a lot to turn his life around, and we just sort of went, what's going on here, you know? Um, And so we knew that he had a partner, but we hadn't seen her for a long time. So we're actually not sure if she still lived there. And we hadn't built a relationship particularly with her. It nagged me, right? I was thinking, oh, well, he's gone. I wonder if she's there. And it just kept creeping into my head. And I went to church a day or two later, and I was in need. I don't, has anybody ever turned up to church where they're just feeling so broken? It's like, if anybody touches me, I'm going to bawl my eyes out. I was in that space that day. <laughs> I was like, why me? And, you know, Lord, heal my arm and blah, blah, blah about me. You know, internally, you guys probably wouldn't have been aware of that, but I'm just being honest about what was going on. And interestingly enough, don't know if you've ever felt like this before. When you go to, when I go to church and need like that, the way the way God shows up in my life is often peace, but He often gives me a picture for someone worse off than me. And I went, and I don't even remember what was shared, but there was something that was shared, and I remembered just God reminded me gently. There are people worse off than you, sunshine. And I went, oh, the lady in our grove. Why am I thinking of her right now? Don't know what I can do. I've got one arm, blah, blah, blah. Went home and went, I've got to bake her muffins. (laughs) And I'm laughing because it was like, it's not about the muffins, right? But I'm like, I've got to bake her muffins. I'm thinking, that's ridiculous. I've got one arm. I'm not great at muffins with two arms. So seriously, so I start making muffins and Jason's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making muffins and the kids are like, are they for us, mummy? No, no, they're for the, the neighbour. Okay, my kids, poor kids, they're like, why are you even make us muffins? But anyway, there's a whole lot around that, right? And I'm just possessed, a woman possessed making these muffins. And uh, the family had plans. So dad was taking boys to 
of the river and they were looking forward to it and muffins came out. And I kept thinking these thoughts. She may not want me to bring muffins over. She may hate muffins. She may slam the door in my face. She may not be there. There might be someone else there. (laughs) I just was like, oh my, it was the doubting, right? It went through my head. I'm unequipped. I'm not enough. Who am I? What am I going to do? And I just felt God say to me, take the first step. Take the muffins and knock on the door. So I'm walking up to the door going, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Jason's gone, okay. I said, I'll be back soon. You'll be able to go to the river soon, right? So I like creep up to the door. And the minute I knocked on the door, all I did was she went, hi. And I went, are you okay with the muffins? (laughs) That's all I could think of to say. It was so, felt so lame. I felt so ill-equipped. I felt so me. But God was so in it. Because I got dragged in the door. She said, oh, muffins. She said, I've got so much food and I'm not really eating at the moment. So she popped the muffins down. And then she goes, have a seat. And she began to share with me. Poor Jason and the boys didn't get to the river. Because I was there two and a half hours. I did try to leave a couple of times. Because I was so aware of the time, and I was like, I can't even text him. I didn't take my phone, so I couldn't even say, excuse me, I'll just call my husband and tell him I'm going to be a bit longer. I just had to not be there. And time ticked by, and every time I said to her, I kind of need to go, she'd just be like, oh, yeah, of course you do. And then she'd go, but I, and then she cried, and she said, I haven't been able to cry yet for a long time. And then... I was able to actually speak to her openly and honestly about her situation and she poured her heart out to me. And i it was in the second hour that I was able to share my faith with her. In the second hour. Why is that significant? Because had I been so concerned about my schedule, my plans, my things I needed to do, my agenda, what was way, you know, so concerned about that maybe the boys might be a little bit grumpy because they didn't get to go to the river, I wouldn't have stayed. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity to get in and say, this is what I believe. What do you believe? She hugged me, we talked, we shared. I told her I was going to pray for her. She had a long way to go. The message I got in that, the learning, because I always take learnings out of things like this and write down, what was my learning in that? My learning, and all of those who know me know that we're a busy family. I run a business, I've got kids, I raise my granddaughter, blah, 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 lots of stuff going on. But what I learned was, and the mantra I tell myself is, don't let our lives become so busy doing our own thing that we don't leave space to hear what God calls us to do and even be obedient to that. Because we, as in every single person here, all have a part to play, whether it's this big or whether it's this big, in God's bigger plan for our lives. Do you believe that? So it doesn't matter what you do, whether it's this big. Because making muffins really come on. I couldn't see where this was going. 
I thought maybe the door might slam in my face and she might tell me to mind my own business because this is domestic violence stuff. So he was inside for two and a half months. It's a long time. And in that two and a half months, my arm got more able and I got more busy. But every day I thought of her, I prayed for her, and when the curtains were shut for more than 24 hours, I would message her. She gave me her cell phone number and we linked up on Messenger on Facebook and I would message her. And sometimes it would just be, hey, are you okay? And then I'd, she'd pop over and she'd sit for very long periods sometimes. And it wasn't always convenient to my schedule and it wasn't always convenient to my family's schedule and it wasn't always uh, comfortable And so I had to remember what God had called me to do. What did God call me to do? What was in my hand? I'm an encourager. So I decided to just encourage her without judgment. Because no matter what happened, I realized that I'd committed. I made a commitment to her that night. I told her to her face, I would be there. I would be there. I didn't know what that looked like. But what we can do is we can be that light. Acts 13 verse 47 in the NIV says, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, (laughs) I can't see salvation to the ends of the earth. I don't know if you can. I can't. I can't. That's too big for me. But a light, I can hold a light for one person. And when I was thinking about sharing this with you guys, I was thinking a picture came up in my head of a black screen. And on that black screen, there's one tiny spark. And around that spark, there's a little, you know, halo of light. And then as each individual picks up their purpose and starts to hold their own light, that entire screen starts to become illuminated. And before you know it, you've got this beautiful light that's lighting up way more than any one of us can do on our own. I love that picture. And I know that we're already creating that in here in our church community. And I know that God wants to see us do more of that. Imagine the light literally shining out, drawing people towards the light They've already got enough darkness in their lives. Internally, I'm like, why, Lord? But I'm not called to understand. I'm called to encourage. It's all I can do. God's made me an encourager with all my imperfections, with all my quirks, my loud personality. That's who I am. So every day I get up and I try to be the best encourager I can be, knowing that one word, one muffin, one knock on the door, that can totally bring that light into that person's darkness. So that's all I focused on. When he got out, the Holy Spirit was leading us the entire way. But I know that when I walked away from God years ago, and I did for a long time, in my late teens and 20s, God never gave up on me, ever. Never, no matter what. And my auntie prayed for me constantly. 
My auntie was like my second mum. She prayed for me. She never gave up on me either. Do you know she died before I came back to God? So what I share that with is because we may never know what that word, what that seed actually did in that person's life. We may never get to see that. And it's maybe not for us to see. I was inspired by a a book. There are many stories like this, but there is a book, Not for the Faint-Hearted, disclaimer. Uh, If you like a bit of grit and a bit of life, read it. If you're a bit, yep, don't read it. Uh, It's called Save Me From Myself by Brian Head Welch, the lead singer of a heavy metal band called Korn. Does anybody know who Korn is? Yep. You corn fans. Uh, anyway, corn uh, at the height of their career, top earning heavy metal band in the world, top earning millions and millions of dollars coming out their wazoo. Access to any drug, any lady, the life they love to lead. And there was a Christian guy, and this Christian guy got alongside Brian, called Head for short. And he told him about God, and Brian was like desperate and hurting, but still taught, he's a meth addict, so methamphetamine is a pretty tough drug to get off. Anyway, the story goes in. So the first part of the book is very much painting the picture of how his life was as a junkie, as a top metal band person. So yeah, that's why that's not for the faint-hearted. But he shares it in a way so that you can get a picture. He's not sharing it to glorify it. Anyway, this, this is the point of my message on sharing that, which has inspired me. Is one of the tools that's inspired me is that that Christian guy had got alongside him and made a commitment to bring him to a relationship with God. Now, that took a long time. In fact, there are times when Brian would turn up to church high on meth. What a great church. Really? That doesn't scare me. That excites me. Not that I want heaps of people on meth in our church, but it's like, what if you got alongside someone and they still haven't got the strength and God still hasn't dealt with their addiction, but they still are looking and searching for that love and that hope that we all freely share? That Christian didn't give up on him. Neither did they judge him, condemn him, or throw him out of their church. Hallelujah to that, because God dealt with his addiction. He graphically talks about one day, God delivered him, he flushed his meth down the toilet, and he was free. In that moment, he was freed. And God did that work. Not the humans, but they prayed it. You know, it was just an incredible story of deliverance. Now, the clincher is, there are people that he has brought to a relationship with God that none of us would ever be able to do. No offense to us, but we're a bit too clean. (laughs) And those people aren't in relationship with us. They're in relationship with him. He brought other band members to Christ. He brought girls that were on the bus to Christ. He delivered other people from drug addictions. He was involved in being a tool for God's work in a bigger community that was known for evil and satanic worship and stuff. 
And he needed Brian to do it. And so the step back is he needed that Christian guy to not be judgmental, but to love him. And if Brian had not felt loved enough, do you think he would have turned up to church? He felt loved and accepted enough. That Christian did enough. And when we're in situations, so for me, going into that house, I just declared the scripture over myself, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Instantly, that takes away my fear of going into a situation because God is actually bigger than anything we can ever face. Without him, I can do nothing. I want him to live through me. I receive love freely and forgiveness for all the stuff I've done. I walked away from him for years, and he still wanted me back because he had a bigger plan for my life. So despite our discomfort and despite our inconvenience and things like that, it isn't about that. It isn't about a schedule. It's not about ticking a box. To be a good Christian, I must do this. Tick. It's actually get into... When I get into the heart and I ask the Holy Spirit to tell me what it is he wants to do in me, it's in here. It's in here. I'm compelled. If, I don't, if I'm not obedient, I, oh, I don't feel good because he's put it in here and it gnaws at me. I don't know if you've ever had that. I'm like, yes, okay, I know. I'll go. But he doesn't also require me to see the whole picture, which does my head in. As, so those who know me, I'm a business consultant and my gifting is business strategy, which is what? All about the plan and the steps and I know where it all goes. It's tidy. Living on purpose for me, I don't know about you, but for me is not tidy. It doesn't fit any particular plan on my agenda, except that I was born to do something. Something that's been planted in me that is bigger than I can ever imagine and requires bigger input than I can ever give. So as long as I stay plugged in to the people around me that God's put around me to refine me <laughs> and to encourage me and build me and I stay plugged into the Holy Spirit and as sensitive as I can to what he's saying and just put one, it's just one foot in front of the other. Um, there's a wonderful business philosopher called Jim Rohn. He's long since dead, but one of his um, excuse me, quotes that I love is, walk as far as you can see, and then you can see some more. Walk as far as you can see, and then you can see some more. That's like our little light, right? How far does a little light illuminate? Only about this far. And until you're up next to the person engaging with them, it doesn't light them up either. So if I hold my light over here and the person's comfortably at their distance over there, it's not going to light them up. I've got to get in there. I've got to take another step and then another step. I've put a, I said something to Jesse this morning. I said, you know, I realized that I was feeling a bit nervous about sharing this morning, my church family. I was like, ooh, this is a bit nervy. This is different. Uh, but I realized, because God reminded me of a saying that says, if God has brought you to it, God will bring you through it. 
and what I realized was well, that just wasn't for me this morning. It's also to help with the message is that if God has taken you, reminded you, made you think of, prompted your spirit for someone that's close to you, and it might be just here like Jesse shared last week, it actually might be right in your own home that if he has put that person on your, on your mind, on your spirit, your soul, and you just need to go and take them a muffin, <laughs> hopefully someone else will bake it, um, or something, whatever, a card, a kind word even, then he will equip you. He will make you enough because that's what he does. We go in our own strength and in our flesh and our, our earthly selves and I feel inadequate. I don't have the words. I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, a friend of mine's husband dropped dead the other day, very young, really sad, just gone like that. And she's my age. She's left with a teenage son. And I just said to her, I don't have any words. I don't know what to say to you. But you're in my prayers. I'm praying for you. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes that's what it looks like. We don't, and sometimes we think we're not enough. We don't have the words, so we don't go because we think we might look stupid. Actually, it's not about what, what. So what is that saying? What other people think of you is none of your business. I like that. Because this is about you and me and him, you and him. Yeah, bigger plan. Exciting. So in wrapping up, my prayer for each of us is that we remain open or become more open to hearing and getting friendly with, get friendly with it, of what God has put in your hand or in your heart and ask that little question that's got a little bit of fear and trepidation. God, what do you want me to do today with that to which you've called me to do for my purpose? And I just want to reiterate the message that Jesse so beautifully brought and Bruce has brought is that actually each and every single one of you, every single one of you was born for a purpose. You have something to do here on this earth and it might look different to your neighbour or the person at the front. It's not about you doing what me doing what Kerry can do or Jesse or Jesse doing it's not about that it's what is what makes you unique and special and what are you being called to do with it right now because we have one life one day and that's the day we have what can we do today with what has been put in our hands that's it thank you